Alrighty, Chevra. So thank you so much for joining as we continue our journey through Sichas Haran Bisyatra Shmaya. I'm going to share my screen so we can all see the sources together. We have two very beautiful, very fundamental, wonderful teachings to learn together with Hashem's help. Um, so I'm going to share my screen now. And Baruch Hashem, we were able to make a very exciting announcement for those that are connected to Eilacha on WhatsApp, which I think is mo as most of you. Um, starting on Sunday, we're going to be releasing two recordings, audio recordings um, a week that are based on or presenting beautiful, beautiful short stories. Some are just a few lines, some are even just a line, some are a little bit longer. Beautiful stories written by Yid Rabbi Nachem Moore, who was a close Talmud of Rabbi Asher Freund, who was a big tzaddik. These are some of the first recording. I'll give a little bit of uh, biographical um, information about this Rabbi Asher. Very, very special tzaddik, very connected to Breslov, and, and, uh, and, and very unique in many ways. Gigantic mekubal, gigantic balchesed. Um, and, uh, and, he, and he just had the most beautiful, healthy teachings. And this Talmud of his, Rabbi Nachem Moore, took these teachings and developed glorious, unique tales. Really, there's nothing like them that I've seen outside of Rabbi Nachman's famous Sipurim Isis. Um, but just the most gorgeous expressions of, of Neshama. So Be'ez HaShem, we're going to be starting a series, going through those stories one by one, one story each recording. And we're going to be reading the story, translating the story, and then exploring the theme. And they're so deep, they're, they're so full of mystery and secret and poetry um, that they're really, it's a masterpiece, this little book that we're going to be learning out of called it called um, um, Shmona Va'arba Sipurim, just 84 stories. So what a privilege, Be'ez Hashem, very excited about that. So that's starting on Sunday. Look out for it if you're not subscribed already. Um, Be'ez Hashem, you'll, you'll find a link somewhere and, uh, and you'll be able to subscribe to it. Okay, so let's jump into our shir, B'siyat Shmaya. We are up to Sicha Saran Samachay, 65. Sicha Saran Samachay is very short, as you can see. It's just two lines in the way that we've set it up, or one line, if you had them both together. And Rabbi Nachman says the following, a very almost shocking statement just comes out of the gate with this. Al yedei simcha, through joy, which of course Rabbi Nachman spoke a great deal about, nitsoilim mimisas banim. A person is spared the horrible, unimaginably tragic experience of losing a child, losing a son. Now, This experience of people Nebuch losing children was far more prevalent, of course, in the times of Rabbi Nachman, where medicine wasn't developed uh, to the point that, like we've learned in our series, Rabbi Nachman advised people that it would be healthier to abstain from going to doctors and from hold, holding back from taking medicines because the medicine was so underdeveloped that it was, it, was, it was more dangerous than not going to a doctor at all. So medicine really wasn't developed in any in any in any real way. 
and 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 there, there there weren't such things as as vaccines and you know vaccinations against polio for example tuberculosis basic basic things uh, that humanity hadn't yet figured out a way and Kodesh Baruch Hu hadn't yet put it in the minds of those chachmei rufua um, to come up with ways of 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 surviving terrible illnesses that would spread also because of the lack of cleanliness in their living conditions also made the situation and the way that they lived ripe for for pen, for for epidemics that were constantly ripping through um, those regions in in Ukraine and really the world over. Rabbi Nachman himself can't possibly speak callously um, or without great reverence for this particular topic because Rabbi Nachman, as as many of us know, Rabbi Nachman himself lost four children. Um, his daughters who survived were four out of eight. Rabbi Nachman lost four children. I believe two of them were boys that Rabbi Nachman lost. Um, I think one of, the, one of them was actually named Yaakov, and one of them was, was famously named Shlomo Ephraim. Rabbi Nachman understood what the pain was. Rabbi Nachman didn't in any way mean to suggest that the reason why a person would, would, would have to go through this, like we said, this unfathomably tragic experience of losing a child, which I can't even imagine, it's, it's their fault because they weren't happy enough. That, that's not what Rabbi Nachman means to say, chas v'shalem, chas v'shalem. Nistarim darke Hashem, like we say, Hashem nasan Hashem lakach. We can never give a definitive reason really for anything, unless it's coming from a Navi, you know, uh, but, or, or unanimous understanding of the tzaddike adar or the gedolim, even that, you know, we don't really know anything definitive. Certainly the way that a Kodesh Baruch Hu runs his world, we have, no, we have no way of understanding this. This is what Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to see Hashem's tefillin. HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed him only the Kesher Shel tefillin in the back of his head. Why do good things happen to bad people? Why do bad things happen to good people? These are the Saide Saides, right? And, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't even offer any kind of explanation for one of the most emblematic experiences of Hashem's unfathomable way of running the world, which of course is the Misa, the death of Rabbi Akiva, who was murdered tragically in the most barbaric way. And when Moshe Rabbeinu and the Malachim come to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and ask, Zutayr v'zuschayr, HaKadosh Baruch Hu responds by saying, Shtoik, silence, silence, be still, be silent, meaning to say, silence the mind. The human mind is not able at this level of consciousness where we are right now, certainly in exile, at this moment in time, we're not able to grasp these things. And any reason that we try to offer, I mean, it's, it's always going to necessarily be conjecture. So Rabbi Nachman doesn't mean over here to give a blanket rule and to say if you should happen to hear, we should never even hear from such a thing, if you should happen to hear of a person that's lost a child, ah, it must be that it was their fault because they weren't besimcha enough. Chas v'shalom, we have to clear the air from the beginning. There's no way that Ibn Achman means to suggest that. Rather, that Sadiq is encouraging us to be besimcha as much as we can. We're going to learn in the second teaching about how we can bring ourselves to a state of simcha. We're going to learn about what that means. Because if as we're going to learn in the next line, there is some kind of kitrug, there is some kind of satanic and, and demonic energy that would otherwise have had some kind of effect, chas v'shalom, on a person's child. At least this we can, we can avoid. We cover this base. 
But that doesn't mean that it's an ironclad rule. It doesn't mean that people who are happy will never lose children. And it doesn't mean that people who have lost children are at fault because they weren't happy enough. That, right? that, that's not what Rabbi Nachman means over here. But Rabbi Nachman is telling us and encouraging us to make sure to drill into our psyche and our heart and our consciousness how important simcha is. Because through simcha, it's possible that a person will spare his or her children without even finishing the sentence. And Rabbi Nachman explains this and he says, Because the klipa, that impure energy that is able to have some kind of impact on the lives of children, that grabs them, chas v'shalom, nikra lamed yud, lamed yud tough. It's the name of a female demon who has this name. And the tzaddikim, as we're going to see in a minute from the Shlach Kaddish, an amazing, amazing piece. But the Shlach Kaddish teaches that the shayrish, the root of this word, lilis, which is, it's a word, we don't say it so much in the context of the, the, the demon for fear of awakening it. Right? But it's still, it's still a word. It actually shows up in Tanakh, in Yeshayo, where Yeshayo is making reference to a kind of bird that flies at night. And the Mepharshim explained that the reason this bird is called Lilis is because it's constantly groaning. It's constantly crying out. Like the word Yilala means to wail. It's constantly wailing and crying. And so Rabbi Nachman says, if this is what this demon's essence is crying sadness and it is able to go ahead and to have an impact like we said to cause the death of children so the way to combat that Rabbi Nachman says is simcha 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 joy is the opposite is the contrast of this particular demon who has this name of this night bird this night owl called Lilith Joy is the hepech of this. And of course, we know that simcha is always related to kedusha. Like we say, the Pazik and Telem says, Oiz vechedva In Hashem's place, there's oiz, there's confidence, and there's simcha, and there's joy. And we know that all the neviim needed first to awaken among them, upon themselves a great spirit of joy, sometimes using musical instruments, like we, like we know, batihi, kimnagin, hamanagin, whose spirit rests upon a person when they're in a state of great joy. The reason is, is because joy is the natural state. Joy is the natural state. Joy is the essential state. It's in a state of joy that a person, like we say, when does a person want to go out and create and produce and get together with other people and, and, and manifest their own energy that they have inside of themselves in a way that's going to benefit the world only when they're in a state of simcha. Simcha is contagious. Simcha is contagious, right? It's constantly wanting to move. It's constantly wanting to, to, to spread itself like a flame from wick to wick, from wick to wick. Simcha is his spashtus. It's connected to ar. What's light? You light a little bit of a light in the room, the whole room lights up, right? That's what simcha is. Simcha wants to spread. So the essence of our neshama is in a state of simcha all the time. Because the essence of our neshama 
is a portion of the divine. And like we said about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there's always, always rejoicing. Always rejoicing. What gets in the way of that is this experience of yilala, of, of wailing, of losing confidence, of feeling misaligned with our essence. So depression is not something that we need to deal with or engage with in such a way of saying, we need to find some way of being besimcha. We need to we need to bring ourselves to a state of simcha and find some strategy to enable ourselves to get there. The truth is, we are already besimcha. There's a place of us inside that's always already besimcha, and what's covering it is this klipa, which means a shell. It's covering it over. It's getting in the way. It's blocking up the channels. But simcha is what naturally flows. And our job is just to remove the yalala, is to remove the lilis, is to remove this kind of klipa, this negative spirit. And when we do that, then we're able to reveal the shrina that we contain within ourselves that can only rest in a place of simcha because that's the place where our Kaddish Baruch Hu's light is shining into the world. Like we say, our Kaddish Baruch Hu gave us the Torah with the light of his face. And of course, the Torah is itself full of, of, of rejoicing all the time. The Chedvasa, the Chedvasa Dili, the Zara Kaddish says. What it means that Am Yisrael are learning Torah they're engaged, ba'askin, they're, 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 they're rejoicing. They're engaged in my rejoicing, Hashem calls the Torah. And the Torah is given ba'arpanecha, that's the natural state of the Jew, that's the natural state of the neshama. Our task is to make sure that we're stripping away the external layers as much as we can of the goof which gets in the way and hides the neshama physically oriented kinds of behavior that we know are not enabling ourselves to tap into the essence of who we are all of these things are going to cause sadness lack of amuna trying to feel that we control things and then getting upset when things don't work out and getting down on ourselves because we feel that it's something we did or didn't do all of this is going to get in the way of simcha simcha is amuna simcha is neshama it's our natural state we're far closer to living in a state of simcha than we ordinarily think. It's just a matter of getting everything out of the way. Instead of needing to find some way of acquiring simcha, we have to reveal the simcha that we already have. And so Rabbi Nachman says, if we're able to get rid of this shell called lilis, which comes from the word yilala, in that way we're able to guard against misas banim. We're able to guard against the death of, of children, at least again, to the extent that we're able to. Hashem has his plans. And there's no way, again, just to review, there's no way of definitively explaining why these things happen and then they do. And we should never hear of such things. There's no way of, of putting a reason. We have to respond with silence. Aaron, right? Aaron reacted to the death of his own children, Adam and Aviu, with, with, total, with total silence. Total silence. Rabbi Nachman says, to the extent that we can do everything to protect against this, I want to take a look at the Shlach Kaddish and then we'll go back to the teaching. And I'm, I want to share two alternative ways of reading this that are less literal, but I think are also very true. Um, and before going into the Shlach, I just 
like to express my appreciation to you because it's not a given that we should be able to take time out of our busy day and, and share it together. And I know that there's so much else to listen to and so much else to connect with. And it, it really makes a very, very big difference to all of us that all of you are, are here and are, are contributing your Ratzon to grow with us together. It's a very special thing. So I'm very grateful for it. Thank you very much. Let's take a look at the Shla. The Shla Kaddish says over here in Parashas Kiseitse, very amazing Shla Kaddish, very interesting, enigmatic. He says, He says, when a person davens, it becomes conquered in Mochamis Rabbis and many different kinds of wars that are being waged against our tefillahs. The tefillah leaves our mouth, it starts to go up, not physically, but it starts to be bokeah, like the Zohar Kaddish describes. It starts to burst through different spiritual barriers to be able to get to Hashem, whatever that means, right? Our tefillah works a whole whole sugya in and of itself. There are, there are wars that are waged against our tefillahs. Then our klipas vasatanim, all the different kinds of satanic personalities and energies in the spiritual realm and the shells trying to enclose the tefillah and bind it to prevent it from rising. Which in a certain sense are filling all the atmosphere of the world is filled like the Gemara Brachas tells us we're not able to see it if we could see it we wouldn't be able to live we wouldn't be able to be Meskayim even for a second and there's stories in the Gemara about those that went through certain processes to enable themselves to see it and they couldn't handle it the whole world is filled with these energies which means that it's a very spiritually precarious place to be. Like the Pasuk says. And the Tzadikim explained this world. And the Ariyah Kaddish says is Rav Klipa. It's really, and, and we know that because we don't have to believe it on some spiritual plane. It's just a fact. This world is a very spiritually challenging place. It's very hard to remain conscious of Hashem. And what is that? That's klipa and satanim. That's external shells and different satanic forces that seek to prevent us from properly connecting to Hashem and seek to prevent us from using our bechira to be able to peek into a realm where we no longer have bechira because it's so clear to us that Hashem is real and, and that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is constantly holding us and communicating with us and encouraging us and walking with us. But the whole world is filled with satanim. It's filled with klipa. But like tucha tefila lalais. And the Shlach says that our tefila is not able to go up. The first thing that we need to do when we daven, what do we say in the beginning? Psuke de Zimra. After Birchus HaShachar, we say Psuke de Zimra. What does it mean on a simple level? Psuke de Zimra means these are verses of song, all derived from Tehillim. And we say these psukim, to praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And then we move into Birchus Krishma, Krishma, the Brachas afterwards, Shemana Esrei, Yuridas HaShefa, afterwards, Ashrei Valetzian. But we begin davening, the bulk of our davening in the beginning is Psuke de Zimra. But the Ari HaKadosh says that Zimra doesn't just mean Milash and Zemer, like a song, but it can actually mean Lizmor. Lizmor Karmecha means to cut down. To reap a harvest is Lizmor. That word can mean to sing. It could also mean to cut. Says the Shalak Kaddish, you know what we're doing in Pesukah de Zimra? It's like we have a hatchet and we're hatcheting our way through the thick forest of all these negative forces that seek to prevent us from davening and seek to prevent our tefillah from being ola lamala, from rising above. Pesukah de Zimra. The first thing we need to do, we need to hatchet our way through this thicket, through this thick forest 
of darkness. And that's why we begin our tefillah with Pesukah de Zimra. That's what, this, that's what we're accomplishing as we, as we make our way closer and closer and closer until in any oimid, alatsur, like the Bredichever says, Shemana Esra, you don't walk anymore, you just stand still because you're already there. And you don't need to say, you just need to whisper into Hashem's ear because we've journeyed through the worlds of Asiya to Yitzira to Bria, and then finally Shemana Esra is at Silos, which comes from the word Etzlo. We are next to Hashem. We whisper our tefillah and it goes through. But the first thing we need to do is psuke de zimra. Now he says, He brings from the sefer, I don't know who the author is, I have to look into it, called Kol Boichim, which seems to be a, a, a Kabbalah sefer. And he says this amazing thing. But Pasuk, the Pasuk in Eicha says, Nashim inu. Which on a simple level, tragically means that there were women in Sion, in Yerushalayim, who were violated as part of this tragic siege and then ultimate destruction of Yerushalayim. This is what the Pasuk means. These three words, Nashim, woman, Betsi, and Yerushalayim, Inu, or violated. Isa, Bezayar, Nazarka, this says, you know what it's referring to over here? Not even though on a simple level, it's talking about the Nashim Tzidkanias of, of, of Am Yisrael. He says, no, it's talking about two very specific women who did the violating. Not Nashim B'tzian were themselves violated, but Nashim B'tzian Inu. At the time of the Churban, there were two women, so to speak, which means two female energies, which we don't, I can't get into now. It isn't anything that's specific to a female or a male, but all of us have these energies within ourselves, which relate to Malchus, which is a vessel, which is a Kli, which on the one hand can be used to reveal HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence, but on the other hand, can conceal and can give the impression of this world being an empty vessel that's devoid of godliness. That's the energy of Malchus de Sitra Achra, which Rabbi Nachman talks about in Torah Aleph in the Kutumaran, which we began teaching last night in Chabur Sabal Shemtev. The recording is up on SoundCloud for anybody who's interested. We started a new series uh, based on my Safer Sunlight of Redemption, but we're going to go very deeply into it now for the next couple of weeks and months. Everybody's invited to join us. So, he says that Inu, the ones who did the violating, were these Nashim. That's what the Zayar Kaddish says. There are two wayward females, right? Again, but a feminine, feminine spiritual energies. And they are Lilis, which is this mother of wailing that we've described. And been discussing Umachlas Bas Yishmael. I'm one of the wives of Esav, who was Machlas, the daughter of Yishmael. These are the two women. Nashim is a reference to these two female, feminine, demonic energies. And it's brought from the Ita, that along with Lilis, if you could imagine such a thing, accompanying her, her entourage, as it were. Again, this is not physical in any way, right? on a spiritual level, whatever these things mean, I certainly don't know. We're just reading and translating the words. Her entourage is 480 kitais, 480 um, platoons, of destroying angels. Why 480? Because that's the gematria of this word, lilis, communion lilis. And they walk, and it's like a, it's like a wild thing to imagine. They walk umialeles. She walks and she cries out in the most horrible wail, the kulam oinus achareha, and all of them answer with this groan, with this, with this, with this wailing and moaning. 
And that's Lilith. V'chein Machalas, but this other demon called Machalas, Halchim Ima, along with her walk, Tuf Ayin He, 475 Kitos Keminin Machalas, which is also the gematria of this word Machalas. The numerical value of Mem Ches Lamit Tuf is 475. So with her walk 475 platoons of destroying angels. But by her, it's very different, a different energy of negativity. It's a different kind of klipa. It's a different kind of shell preventing us from connecting to Hashem. How so? Because like her name suggests, they are all they're all playing these kinds of flutes and they're all dancing around in circles. The platoon of destroying angels that accompany Lilis are wailing because that's what the name implies. Lamed Yud, Lamed Yud Taf is related, like we said, to the word Yilala, which means to wail. And the Elu and the platoons of destroying angels that are accompanying Machlas, Bas Yishmal, the Elu And they're dancing around in circles with tremendous joy. Kishma Machalas, like her name implies. Now, of course, it's not the proper type of holy joy that we're speaking about. But it's the joy of, if you can even call it joy, it's, it's what's called hoilulus. It's just a kind of, of celebration that brings a person further from Hashem, not closer to Hashem, not true simcha. The simcha of the guf, which we know is just short-lived and is not ultimate, is not real, is not essential, is not eternal. And it brings a person to become more focused on the ego and less focused on Hashem. That's the energy of Machala. So we have two negative energies. Then the energy of, of Lilith, which is wailing, which is Yilala, which is the lack of Amuna, which is, which is everything that we discussed about the way in which a person grows so forlorn and feels so rejected by Hashem and despairs. That's the energy of Lilis, Yalala. And then the flip of that, which is often goes hand in hand, because the more the person feels that way, they try to drown out their pain in all kinds of of all kinds of machalas, all kinds of machilas, which don't come from a good place or a healthy place, and is a mirage, is a facade, isn't the truth. That's machalas. And here he says a very, very interesting thing. I haven't really have to think a little bit more about this. But he says, Vahanashim Halalu. These two women, they never ever meet. They never interact. These two energies are completely different. Hagam, he says, because he says they're at war. These two energies are at war. Now, even though both of them contribute, like we said before, they go together in a certain sense, they contribute to a person who's in a downward spiral of depression, and then, which, which is Lilith, and then trying as best as he or she can to numb the pain with machalas basishmal, which breeds, as we know the cycle does, more yalala, and then more the illusion that, okay, this time I can finally really be happy, finally, which, which constantly leads, and so on and so forth. So they both contribute, chas v'shalom, to Hashem becoming completely shut out and closed away from a person's life. But because they're rooted in Kedusha, like everything is, like Rabbi Nachman says in Torah, Kuf Yud Beis in Likut Imran, Rabbi Nachman over there says 
that all of the klipas are only able to exist because they draw their yonek, they draw their energy from holiness, from Kedusha. In Kedusha, these two things couldn't possibly be more distant. So again, it's, it's an exact parallel. Meaning, in the way of Tumah, there are no greater friends than Machalas and Lilas. Because like we said before, they feed into each other. And it begins with a person giving up on himself and a person feeling so down about himself and a person sinking down into the level of ego, into the level of distance from Hashem and then things don't work out and then we become, we, we, we let go of emunah chas and then the person, like we said, seeks to um, numb that pain with artificial kinds of experiences of, of joy and of, and of rejoicing, but it's not for real. So in the side of Tumah, they go together, but in the side of Kedusha, never the twain shall meet. There can't be anything more distant from each other than sadness and, and a tremendous amount of simcha. And over here, it's very important, he's not talking about sadness called shivron lev, which we've learned about. That, that could be very holy. Rabbi Nachman says, achar shivron lev basimcha. We've learned that teaching in Sicha Saran. That is okay. Those two things go together. But here we're talking about depression. We're talking about, and not clinical depression, a person needs medication. We're talking about yish, but a person giving up, about a person stopping to feel as if they're able to get up after a fall. Stopping to feel as if there's purpose to their struggle, as if there's meaning to their pain, and as if all their failures is part and parcel of a process of growth, and as much as it humbles them, and it enables them to further and further reach out to Hashem, like the Rebbe says, and we're going to learn this later in Sicha Saran, that Rebbe Nachman called out, and he said, Va'aklal, the main thing is, Ha'ikarhu, you know what the main thing is? Mi beten sha'ol shivati, this Pasuk that is rooted in Yonah, who is in the belly of the whale. And Yoyna says to Hashem, From the depth of Sha'ol, from the depth of hell, Shivati, I prayed to you, I called out to you, and there's nothing more positive, there's nothing more optimistic, there's nothing more hopeful than prayer. So that's what we're speaking about. Lilis is, is this experience of, of, of despair, of yush, of giving up. And they never meet. And he says there's a tremendous war between them. Zulasi, there's only one time that these two come together, and that's on Yom Kippur. Strange thing he says. Never heard of this before, before I saw this. Eilu be'elu, where they meet each other, and there's a tremendous battle between them. And while they're fighting it out on Yom Kippur, these two armies of the Satan are, are occupied, with fighting one another. And meanwhile, all the prayers of Am Yisrael go up unaffected, unharmed. Amazing thing. On Yom Kippur, that's the great battle. That's the great battle between these forces. What that means, what the application is for us, I'll leave that to you and, and, and to me to think about on our own time. I think there's a great deal of depth there. And I think that gives us a great deal of insight into what Yom Kippur is, what's happening on Yom Kippur, both on the side of Tumah, but also on the side of Kedusha. How much on Yom Kippur, rejoicing of Kedusha comes together with brokenheartedness of Kedusha, right? Okay.
When a person sins, it is told to these two energies, the Pasuk in Yeshayo, which means you, calm woman, stand up, stand up. But he says again, it's referring to these two negative demonic energies. Why should you be still? Stand up and come and destroy the world. Right? And, 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 and these are the women that, they, again, not the women, but these are these two female energies that mushlu that are able to go ahead and to and to and to attack the world. So there's just a little bit of a background as to what this demon Lilith is, Gematria Tough Pay 480, who has this ability to bring about this thing called Misas Banim, which we were translating until now as the death of one's children on a literal level. Hashem Ishmar, Hashem Irachim. And we learned that Simcha can ward off that tragic eventuality if it were to happen in a person's life because a person is sad which again we will never know what the reason Hashem does things is or are but Rabbi Nachman says that through Simcha it's true a person can be spared from Misa's Banin but I want to suggest two other interpretations of this line the first is that Banim of course on a literal level means children but Rashi, quoting from Chazal, in the beginning of Parshas Noyach, tells us, Elu told us Noyach, Noyach is tzaddik, says Rashi, Iker b'neihem shel tzaddikim is maisim toivim, right? The primary offspring, the primary banim, the primary children of tzaddikim, of the righteous, which is all of us, va'amichulim tzaddikim, is our, is our good deeds. That's the primary offspring that we produce. That's called banim. That's called our children. And Rabbi Nachman says, Lilis, Yilala, wailing, giving up. That's the klipa. That's the negative force. That's os, osekes osa. That kills our good deeds. It's a sense of sadness, the feeling that I'm not worth anything. My davening is not worth anything. I'm really not able to focus with kavana. I'm really not able to be authentic. I'm really not able, I really don't mean this. That's called misas banim. And that's the domain of Lilis. And the Rebbe says, simcha. if we can keep this joy within ourselves that powers us, that fills us with energy and vitality, we can avoid this terrible experience of misas banim, which means that we just, we give up. And we stop putting stock in the importance and significance of our efforts, flawed as they may be. But we turn around and go home. That's called Misas Banim. And the Rebbe says, through Simcha, through living with joy, through living with Emuna, through living with Neshama, without the Klipa of the outside, like we learned the dust that prevents the essentially joyous Neshama from expressing, Simcha, Misas Banim. That's interpretation number two. Finally, 
Misas Banim could mean on a literal level, like we learned the physical gashmias, chas v'shalom, tragic death of a child, chas v'shalom, children. But children can chas v'shalom die in, in another way. And, and that's emotional death. Children could die emotionally. They could wither up. They could lose the spark of youth that we describe as the princess, right, in the story of our lives. They can, they can lose that. That's called misas banim. All of us want to ensure that our children are strong, that our children are healthy, that our children believe that, 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 that they can make it and don't give up on their own dreams. All of, our, all of us want that our children to grow up in, a, in an environment that will preserve that passionate spirit of youth and of innocence and of holiness and of goodness and of creativity and of optimism. And the Rebbe is giving us the rule here. Al yidei simcha mitzoylin mimisas banim. The primary essential foundation in ensuring that we can experience the nachas of seeing our children thrive, says the Rebbe, Ayodei Simcha, is to make sure that our homes are filled with joy, that our homes are filled with emuna, that we are living in this way. And when they see that, by osmosis, this enables them to preserve what they already have, the joy that is essentially theirs, that comes along with being a neshama in a guf, which children have greater measures of than adults because they haven't yet settled fully into the experience of being a person in this world. A young soul is a bright soul, and we want to preserve that, says the Rebbe, then you be a person of soul. If you can find a way to fill your home with joy, if you can find a way to turn on music, if you can find a way to make sure that your Shabbos is mamish a Shabbos of Simcha, dance around with your kids, make sure that your table is filled with singing, make sure that there's that it's lighthearted, it's not too heavy, it's not too, not too, not too much, and you can preserve space for your kids to be kids, and so on and so forth, with, with, with not being overbearing and not if you can make that your home should be a pleasant place, a light place, a joyous place, says the Rebbe, you can be saved from, not, not the death, the death of children, but the child within your children. You can prevent that from dying, from withering, from closing up. So these are three levels of interpretation in this very short teaching, but you see how much depth there is here. And it's MS on all three levels. Which of them the Rebbe meant? Maybe he meant all. The simple level of actual chas v'shalom, actual death of a child, chas v'shalom. The second level is the death of our own efforts in Avodah Hashem, called our banim, called our tolados, maisim toivim. And then finally, that spark of life, the spark of life, of vitality, of vibrancy, of warmth within our children to preserve that. And all of this is done and accomplished through Simcha. Okay, let's take a look at the next piece, which really feeds into 
um, this very, very nicely. It's, it's, uh, over here, you can really see why they put these two teachings together. On the surface, you might not be able to see, but Hashem, we're going to take a look at some teachings from Lukut Amaran, and we're going to be able to, to, to understand the connection between these two pieces. Says the Rebbe in Sicha Saran Samach Vav, Rebbe Nachman warned and encouraged many times, many times, to daven b'koyach gadol, to daven with great force, with great force, with great energy. Put the all of you into your dibur. You ever saw a person, there are some people that, that, that they just speak with their mouth. That's it. That's, that's the entire communication is just speaking, moving their mouth like this. I naturally, I speak more with my, as you might have noticed, with my hands than I, than I do. It's funny, actually, if you take one of my shear and you just put it on like two times speed, all you'll see is just like this all the time, right? Because that's, that's that you, can, you can speak with more than just your mouth. You can speak with your eyes. You can speak with facial expressions. You can, you can speak with your hands. You can speak with your body. You can, you can, you can make sure that the all of you is coming out with the words that are emerging from your mouth. Says the Rebbe, daven with all of you. Don't just daven with your mouth. Daven with all of you. Like the Pasuk says, kol atzmoisai toimarna Hashem michamaycha. David says, kol atzmoisai, all of my bones, all of them toimarna. Not just my mouth says, my whole essence, my whole being toimarna Hashem michamaycha. Hashem who is like you. Nachman's other teachings. This base is supposed to be ice base. Start from the vav. The Amar Kama Pa'amim and Rabbi Nachman repeated this again and again. You have to you have to force yourself into it. Get yourself into it. And he says, Not like others that say, "Listen, come and daven. If you're into it, great. If you're not into it, also fine." Rabbi says, "No, push yourself. Push yourself." If you're not into it, good. That means to say, this is an opportunity to get yourself into it. It's not just an arbitrary thing. Sometimes I'm interested in davening. Sometimes I'm not interested in davening. When I'm not interested in davening, I have the capacity to ensure that I get myself interested in davening. Very, very much to force yourself with all of our energy, the tefillah, for davening. And this can be the case with physical hand motions, like we learned before, and we've learned earlier in Sikha Surah, maybe Gimel, Dalit, right in the beginning. Rabbi Nachman says that we should daven with our hands, Shekairin Pechin, you remember? Yeah, that, that interesting Ukrainian word, Pechin, like we're supplicating, like you'd speak to an individual. And the Sefer HaChinuch, and the Mesilas Yisharim, many of the Tzadikim, in different Svarim, are talking about a concept of Chitsoinius Ma'oreres Hapnimius, right? That the outside can awaken the inside. So sometimes, even if you're not feeling it, shuckle, move, get into it, move around, walk back and forth. It's also very deep. You can walk back and forth. Get yourself moving, and you can see that things start to open up, even if you're not feeling it. Physical, physical, you can force yourself. You can start getting into it. Each of us have our own way of doing this because we're all different, unique flames on very unique wicks that are all going to 
flicker uniquely, right? And that's what tefillah is. So all of us are going to have our different motions and our different movements and, and the way that we daven. Some things that I try to do that help me a great deal that are actually inspired by, by, by somebody, actually give him a, a shout out. There's a, there's a sweet, delicious yid called, called Reb Shmuel Sher, who in the beginning of my getting close to Breslev was, was mamish, very, very close chaver. And we were learning together and, and it just goes to show, you know, this is a good lesson. That's why I'm mentioning it also. It just goes to show you never really know who's watching and you never know what an impact you can make on someone. Mimela. I remember there was one time, one day, when I was in a yeshiva called Shari Tvuna. I was 18 years old and he came to Davin Mincha. And I remember watching the way he davened changed my davening forever. One tefillah. One tefillah. And the thing that I noticed was the way that the, uh, for a large part of davening, his, his eyes were closed, but his, his face was up, which made it very clear that he was consciously communicating with something higher instead of just reading a few words off, off a few pages. His whole body was oriented clapping mala, like he, was, like he was focusing all of his energy, all of his effort toward the being with whom he was communicating. And... I've taken that on. And so a lot, a lot of times in tefillah, you have to be careful, this also doesn't become rote, right? It, it has to be for a reason. I try to stand on my tippy toes. I, I, try, to, I, try, I try to like breathe deep and, 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 and feel and move my hands and, and, and position my body in such a way that, that I free my neshama. I free my neshama from its, in, be, be, its enclosure within the guf that, that's, that seeks to convince my consciousness that I don't really want to daven. The neshama wants to daven. Ner elokim nishmas adam, like the Baal Tanya says. We're called a flame. Why? Because we're constantly wanting to jump off the wick. So, so show that in your body. Get your body involved. And your body will become a vessel that's neshama shaped, right? So to speak. And then the neshama has a kli to express itself. This is a very, very important kalal. You can do this. I can do this. We can do it. We can, we can do external things that force ourselves, so to speak, into passion for tefillah. External motions affect the emotions. Easy to remember. Motions affect emotions. Shuv Amar, Ibn Achman continued, when a person davens with great intention, which is the halachic definition of what of what kavana means, to listen with your ear to the words that are coming out of your mouth, be conscious of the words that you're saying, so that your ears aren't hearing everything happening around you while your mouth is just a word machine, just pumping out words, but the, the two are completely disconnected. That's called kavana. That will help to make sure that we're really listening, that we're really intent on the words that we're saying. So Rabbi Nachman says, when a person davens in this way, all of the energy in the body will naturally be drawn into the tefillah. Naturally. If we can daven with real kavana, the whole body will contribute. Because the, all of the forces in the body are constantly mitzapim. They're yearning. They want to be involved. The guf wants to be involved. Our physical bodies want to be a part of our holy words. 
which is the essence of what it is to be a person. Adam is mispalo. By ye Adam lenefesh chaya, says the Targum, leruach memalal. A man came to life, a speaking spirit. This is what differentiates us from, 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 from a behemoth. And the, the, the body wants to be an Adam. It wants to be an Adam. It's created with Selam Elohim. So it yearns for this. Al came therefore, when we daven properly, and when we allow the words to reverberate on every level of our being, not simply to have this rote, mindless experience of this thing called a mouth, you know, just murmuring some words that we're not listening to, that we're not focused on. When we're mamish able to daven all of a sudden you clear the blockages, the pipes are free. All of you is there in that tefillah. And there's nothing else in the world but you, the words you're saying, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who you're communicating with. And imagine how, much, how, how, much, how powerful your tefillah becomes. Tremendously powerful. This is without even trying. Naturally, the body will, will get involved, will participate. Because these energies will naturally join your tefillah so it's like one thing feeds into the next. You first have to get yourself into kavana by, by pushing. And then once you're there, memela, the forces of the body and the forces of every level of our being contribute to this experience. Like we've already said, all the koichas and the body, all the different energies, mitzapin, they yearn, mistaklin, tamid, and they're constantly looking, alzef. For this, when will come the day when they too can have the experience of being a part of this experience of, of tefillah? I came therefore when we daven in this way with kavana, all the energy of the body comes into the diburim and we can daven with tremendous energy. Even without forcing ourselves, because this is a way to allow the body naturally to contribute all of its different energies to our tefillah when we daven. So now, what's the again? What's the kesher? What's the bond between everything we're learning about chasos and misas banim and and the klipa of lilas, which is yilala, vis-a-vis simcha, which is the opposite of that? What's the connection between that and tefillah? So for this, we take a look at Lekut Marantara Hey, the very beginning of a long and, and amazingly glorious lesson. It's a Pesach lesson. It talks about chametz and matzah. Amazing, amazing teaching. One day, Be'ezer Hashem, we'll, we'll learn it together. So Rabbi Nachman over here says, Ve'ikra simcha hu Rabbi Nachman says, the primary joy is in your heart. And all of us have a heart. And Rabbi Nachman in Sipur Maisiyah says, everything in the world has a heart. What's the heart? The heart is simcha. The heart is pumping life. The heart pumps blood that spreads throughout the entirety of the body, bringing life not just to itself, but to everything around it. Like we said, la Yehudim haisa oira v'simcha. Joy is like light. Light, you light a candle, boom, illuminates everything around it. Simcha is outward facing. It encourages us to produce, to create, to, 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 to connect with friends, right? To be social. This is all simcha. And we have this belief. This is what we have essentially inside of ourselves. Kamashikasa was the Pasuk and says, Nasata simcha belibi. David Amalek says, you have implanted joy within my heart. That's our natural state. Our natural state is, is joy. Our natural state is health. It's when we start to tamper with our natural state, that things go wrong. 
However, the only way that we can experience the innate, essential joy that we carry within is there's only one way. We need to remove the locks, not like locks, like bagel and locks, like L-O-C-K-S, right? We need to remove the na'alim. We need to remove the locks from upon our hearts. Because if a person's heart is covered over in the thick layers of everything that's the opposite of spirituality, everything that's the opposite of emuna, everything that's the opposite of bittal, and everything that's connected to ego and to control and to, and to lack of Hashem consciousness and to physical gratification and, and machalas bas yishmal like we learned, which is the opposite of kedusha. So it's going to be impossible to feel our natural joy, which is a, the joy of just being which is the joy of understanding that we are flames of Hashem. Ner Hashem Nishmas Adam. So the first thing we need to do, it's like, like I said, it's, we don't need to acquire Simcha. We have Simcha. What we do need to do, however, is to get rid of all of the layers of filth that conceal and that snuff out that spark. A person needs to try to acquire Yashra slave, straighten out the heart. And then he'll merit to feel this joy. To those that have a, a lave that's Yashra, Simcha, without Akmimias, which means all kinds, of, all kinds of convoluted ideas and convoluted emotions that aren't aligned with the essence of who we are. But how do we do this? Says the Rebbe. We know the Gemara tells us, the Gemara in says, Why was thunder brought to the world? It was to cause us to become free from the Akmimias, from all of those layers of of, of of physical bonds that prevent us from experiencing our lave. That's why Hashem created thunder. It shakes us up a little bit. It brings us back to what's important. Hashem created thunder for this reason. It says the Rebbe, thunder, not everybody always is around when it's thundering outside. And not all the time is a person in the right frame of mind for the thunder to actually do this. How could it be that this is the only way out? There's got to be something that we're in control of that we can choose to opt in on, says the Rebbe, there is. Ra'amim thunder is an aspect of a great sound, of a tremendous noise. And this thunder is accomplished when we daven with with loud noises, crying out, davening out loud. Says the Rebbe, if you daven like this, this itself becomes thunder that clears your heart out. And what happens when you clear your heart out? You can reveal what's inside, and what's inside is simcha, is joy. And now we can see the connection between Sicha Saran Samachay and Sichas Ran Samachvav, because Sichas Ran Samachay is the problem, right? Like, okay, we know joy is an important thing, but how do you, how do you get to joy? How do you get to joy? Is Samachvav, is Tfila Bekoyach, which is a bechin of Ra'amim, which is Mafshit, which gets rid of all the Akmimia Shabalev, and when that happens, Nasata Simcha Balibi, the natural joy that we feel is able to bubble forth to the surface. Says the Rebbe similarly in. 
Our primary vitality, our primary energy, we get from davening. Kamashikasa, the Pasuk until him says, Tfila lekel chayoy, which on a literal level means David offers up a tfila to the living God. Rabbi Nachman interprets it allegorically on a, on a, or, or on a deeper level. Tfila, that when a person davens, lekel chayoy. This enables him to come into contact with the God of his life force, with the ultimate, ultimate storage house of our vibrancy. Therefore, the Rebbe says here, A person needs to dab him with all of your energy, all of your energy. When you dab in such a way that you invest all of yourself into davening, you get a renewed sense of life. A renewed sense of energy. But Bechinas, the Pasuk says in Eicha, also in Eicha, Chadashim Labakarim Rabba Emunasecha. Chadashim Labakarim, renewed in the mornings. We are renewed in the mornings because Rabba Emunasecha, because the Kaddish Baruch Hu's faith and faithfulness and faith in us is so great. Says the Rebbe, Emuna is Tfila. Ki Emuna hu Tfila. Emuna is called Tfila. Kameshikasav, Vayihiyadav Emuna. David, that, that Moshe Rabbeinu's hands were outstretched in faith, says the Targum Pirsan Betzilai, they were spread in prayer. The Pasik says Emuna, Targum Unkala says Emuna is Tfila. Chadashim Labakarim. How do we get new energy in the morning? Where does that come from? Person says, I'm too tired to Davin. I'm too tired to Davin. If you're too tired, then you mamish need to Davin. Because Tfila Lekel Chayoy, that's where we get life from. That's where we get life from, from Davening. From davening with energy, with vitality. You don't walk out of tefillah exhausted. You walk out of tefillah ready to, to, to spend the day serving Hashem with tremendous energy. You've reconnected to the source. It's like plugging a plug into an outlet. You've charged your batteries. When your emuna, which we learned is tefillah, is rabba, is with tremendous koyach. Rabba emunasecha. When your davening is Great is Rabbah is 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 strong, then Chadashim Labakarim. Then we're able to get a sense of renewal and renewed energy from our davening. Let's finish up with the last piece over here from the Kutumran Sadi Aleph, where the Rebbe says, Kama There are many different kinds of Amuna. There's one kind of Amuna, which again you can substitute for the word Amuna, substitute tfila. There's one kind of tfila, one kind of faith that's that's just in the heart. A person believes. Theoretically, a person knows there's a God. He has faith. Yehudi Balev, right? Or this terminology is a Jew. He believes in his heart. But the Rebbe says that's, that's not really the ultimate goal. That's, that's okay. That's good. But the main thing is that a person has so much emuna that a person davens in such a way that a person's simcha that's in the heart is allowed to manifest where it's not just that my heart believes, but my pinky believes. There's a muna in my hands. There's a muna in my feet. There's a muna in my head. My whole body is saturated with faith. gives an example. He says, it's brought in the Kitzvah When a person does netilas yadayim, we're supposed to lift up our hands to the head, as the Pasik says, you lift your hands to holiness. To receive that energy. 
Giren Shir about this in the past, from Likuti Alachas. Nimsa says the Rebbe, what is that when you move your hands up to your head? You can't prove that anything's happening. It looks ridiculous. Nobody's going to be convinced that this is in somehow, in some way beneficial. You, you can't back it up. But it means that your amuna has reached your, your hands. You're ready to do something practical, physical, because of the amuna in your heart. You've allowed it to spread throughout your being. That means that your hands are hands of faith. And every morning after you wash the Tiyos and you lift your hands up to your head, it means that your hands are filled with emunah. Amazing thing. You don't just have some belief in your heart. You're filled with emunah. Lahamin, to believe. Can I get a rush? That something happens. Yeah, something happens. To believe that. That when you lift your hands to your head, something's taking place. As the Rebbe says, if without this aspect of Amuna, you could be doing all the mitzvahs in the world. He says, klum, meaning, of course, it matters. And of course, like the Nevesh Chaim says, it's changing the world. But the truth is that vis-a-vis what Yiddishkeit is supposed to be, that it's not where it's at. Kamashikasav, as the Pasuk and Tilim says, Kol Mitzvah Amuna. What's the essence of all the mitzvahs? What's the purpose of all the things that we do is Amuna, to allow the Amuna that we have in our heart to be mispashe, to let the Neshama manifest through all the different areas of the human experience, through all the different modes of behaving. We're trying to reveal the Neshama. We're trying to reveal the joy that we already have inside. We're trying to reveal faith. Then he comes to a very high level of understanding. The more that he encourages himself with faith, he comes to a higher level of seichel. And this correlates or corresponds to what we've learned over here in Samach Vav, to bring all the kochos of the body into the tefillah. The body, Rabbi Nachman said, all the energy in your whole body yearns to be a part of emunah. The body wants that you should fill it, saturate it with faith. So bring your whole self to davening. And even if you're not feeling it inside, let it start on the outside. Position yourself in such a way. Physically, start to move your hands. Get into it. Start to like work yourself up into a passion. Into a, like the Rebbe says in a different place, like a temper tantrum. Work yourself into a fit. A fit of holiness. And in that way, through loud davening, we get rid of the locks. We get rid of all of the external klipa of lilis, of yulala, of despair, of misas banim. We get rid of that. We leave it to the side. And we're able to reveal the essential simcha that we have that encourages the chayim of our dreams, the life of our avoda, the life of our children, both begashmiya certainly and, 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 and on an emotional level as well, to give them the feeling that they can do it, to give them an environment where they can ensure that they are, are keeping and maintaining that spark of joy that they have naturally within that will enable them to march out into the world and to do great things amidst great joy and to create and to produce and to try as best as they can to fill the world with light and to help people progress and to help the world move closer and closer <clears throat> to the time of Mashiach. So I just want to end with a bracha. Hashem, we should never ever hear of any person losing a child. We should just never hear about it. We should remove this thing called death, and no parent should have to suffer that unfathomable, excruciating pain. And that all of our children 
who we already have, and we see out the Shmaya, the children that we will have at the right time, they should be healthy. They should be healthy with guf, and they should be healthy with benefesh, and they should be healthy with and that we should help them to get in touch with the innate health that they have in their heart, with the innate joy that they already contain, and to create an environment where they can feel comfortable revealing it, filling our our houses with the sounds of tefillah, with the ra'amim, with the thunder of Avodos Hashem, to enable them, along along with us, to bring the world to a state of ta'ir eretz mechvedecha, that the whole earth and all of physicality should be illuminated with Hashem's glory, or yililis and machalas bas yishmal, all of these different kinds of klipas will, will go away and will kill themselves out in a battle on Simeon Kippur, on the great Shabbos to come, Be'ezus Hashem. We should be zaycha to share good news with each other and to continue in good health to explore the teachings of the tzaddikim amitim. Siyat Rishmaya. So thank you so, so much for joining. I'm so happy that we're continuing. We're not giving up. We're no Misa's Banim here, Baruch Hashem. We had a three-week break, but we're, we're back and better than ever. So Baruch Hashem, thank you so much for joining and wishing everybody the most amazing week up ahead. Siyat Rishmaya. Thank you so, so much for joining. Call to everybody. Have an amazing week. All the best. Thank you very much. Thank you. Recording stopped.